Hello and welcome to the DanceCast, where I explore dance as an art form, traveling to non-traditional places and with non-traditional doers. I'm your host and my name is Silva Lakkanen. Welcome to episode 19 of DanceCast. In this episode, I talked to Violetta Fatas, who I met this summer, first in Berlin, where we took part in a festival called Meet Share Dance, and then later on we traveled together to Plymouth, UK, to study at the dance at the summer school, um, integrated dance summer school with Adam Benjamin. The Plymouth University was pretty impressive. The whole building has been designed together with Adam Benjamin and the architects to create a completely accessible school and theater and dance studios and everything. It's really amazing and truly is accessible. Also, I'm going to read a little bit of their description for their BA BA program. Um, If you're still thinking where to go, give them a shot and take a look at their website as well. So here we go. Um, The BA Dance Theatre degree with Plymouth University is a new centre for accessible dance training and improvisation in the UK and one which nurtures creativity, innovation and excellence in performance and choreography. Our aim is to develop expressive and articulate dance practitioners and scholars who can apply their skills and understanding to working in different contexts and professional dance environments. The dance theatre course is designed so that you can work to your particular strengths and personal goals. This could lead to postgraduate study and dance research, performance and or choreography with a dance company, teaching, dance arts management, dance journalism, community and educational dance practice with a dance agency or arts organisation. It really was quite amazing school and place. Beautiful. So... If you're still thinking, check them out. I didn't see about their postgraduate degree, but I know that they have one, or I think they have one. But back to Violetta. So let me introduce you uh, to Violetta. Violetta Fatas have trained in contemporary dance, dance theater, contact improvisation, and improvisation with Adam Benjamin, Emmanuel Cuvette, and Michelle Mann, among others. And she holds an MA in dance and arts of movement. She's passionate about improvisation as an inclusive tool and taking performing arts into non-conventional spaces. She holds a postgraduate diploma and work in audiovisual accessibility for people with visual and auditory disabilities. Since 2014, she runs Pares Sueltos together with Leticia Solanas. Pares Sueltos, Performing Arts and Diversity. They work to promote access to and participation in the performing arts of four people with and without disabilities as creators and as audience. And I love the fact that para sueltos means loose pairs. And Leticia, I mean, Violeta was explaining to me that they have shoe stores in Spain that has just a one pair of one shoe and one pair of uh, one other shoe. So there's tons of shoes that ha- is just a one pair. So that's the story behind her uh, name for her dance group right now. Violetta is really fun person and she always makes me laugh. So I hope you enjoy the episode. <laughs> Violetta and I met in Berlin just last week. 
um, we were both in a festival called Meet Share Dance teaching and then we both traveled to Plymouth in UK to study with Adam Benjamin and Violetta Fatas is my guest today. Welcome to DanceCast, Violetta! Thank you, Silva! <laughs> so, we just met, so I want to know more about you. Um, how did you start dancing? Oh, mm, I started dancing at the age of five because I actually started playing violin but <laughs> then the teacher said I was too too small to do it. So in the meantime, like while I <laughs> I be I was becoming big enough to play the violin, <laughs> my parents decided to bring me to ballet classes, and then I stayed there forever <laughs> and never again played violin. <laughs> so you never became big enough for a violin. That's it. <laughs> I'm stuck in dance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and then you, you live in Spain. Yeah. What is the city called again? I'm from Zaragoza, mm -hmm. Zaragoza. And yeah, it's not, it's not really big. It's less than one million inhabitants. It's in the northeast of Spain, just in the middle from Barcelona to Madrid. Mm. And yeah, so I was, I grow, grew up there. I was dancing ballet from 5 to 17 and then I started university. I moved to Mad Madrid and I stopped dancing for a while. Oh, you didn't go for a dance in university? What did no. you study? <laughs> because, yeah, that's curious. I did social work. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I, it's like I've always danced, but I never wanted to become a dancer. I was not appealed by the professional scene. Wow. Hmm. So what brought you back to dance? <laughs> mm, well, I, yeah, like the, those years, the first years of university were quite confusing for me. And I also, I, in fact, I started studying sociology mm -hmm. and then I changed to social work and I, like, I couldn't find my place somehow. So I, and I also stopped dancing. After three years, I got back to dancing and I started dancing contemporary. And yeah, and then I continued, but I was studying social work. I finished that. Then I did this master's in accessibility. It's like audiovisual accessibility for blind and deaf people. I don't know really why I took the decision to <laughs> do that. It was like I wanted to, to study something else. But social work, mm, I didn't really went for it. So I, I didn't go for it. So, yeah, it was like just with the catalog of <laughs> masters. Yeah. And it was like, wow, they, this sounds amazing. And I did it. And... I found something like I was really, yeah, like I like this. I would love to do this, this thing about accessibility. And it was kind of my first contact with disabilities. Oh, see. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, that same year, I studied a master's in 
dance and theater, but just like for pleasure. Hmm. Wait, what, you studied at the same time masters for dance and theater? Yeah, because this dance and theater master was during the weekends and it was in a city close to the city where I was studying the other masters. So I, in fact, I was like, I had lessons from Monday until Sunday. That year was really intense and really, yeah, I did, I wouldn't have the energy now, but I had it in that moment. And it was, yeah, it was a really enriching and funny year because, you know, it was so intense, like from Monday to Friday in one city, then take the coach, go to other city to dance two days and then back to the first city. That was for like seven months, not, not too much, but... Yeah, uh, I also think I had the energy because as before I was doing the social work that didn't really convince me or I was not so convinced with it. So that year was, okay, I like these things I'm doing. So I was really, yeah, like engaged on it. And after that, <laughs> I went back to my city, to my home city. Again, like, oh, what can I do? I don't know what to do with myself. Um, I'd like this accessibility work, and I started working, doing some uh, audio description mm -hmm. for, of films for blind people, but I could do it in distance because, yeah, the, the company was in Madrid, but they were sending me films and so, so I could do it from home. And, but, that that was not a, like a stable work job, so I started to look for something else. So there was this friend of, of mine who was a dance teacher, and she was. They offered her to teach some dance classes in a special education school. That's how in Spain. I don't know in other parts of the world, but in Spain. It's a special education. Okay, yeah. special education school. And she couldn't take it because of the schedule, mm. of her schedule. So she asked me, like, hey, would you like to teach this lesson? And I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I need work. But I, before that, I had never taught, I had never taught anything. I mean, nor dance. And I had no relation with people with intellectual disabilities, mental disabilities. But I, it was like, yeah, I, I can do that. So I started with two groups and it was a total mess. Like, <laughs> oh, no. It was really, yeah, difficult. Like I found I didn't have the resources to, yeah, uh, like my expectations were really different to reality somehow. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Did you stick with it or did you give up? No, I yeah, I did stay, but <laughs> <laughs> with a lot of support from my friend <laughs> who had offered me the job, <laughs> and because she had more experience mm. with, in special education, and yeah, in fact, that I can remember the first day I stepped in that school, you know, because it was really like another world and with different noises, different, I don't know how the space was. It was really like another planet for me. 
And but at the same time, I didn't escape like running. It was really challenging for me. So I stayed there. But sometimes I cried after the lessons, you know, as I was walking out of the of the school. But that year it was like, okay, I have to. I like this. <laughs> I want to know more. I want to investigate. I want to. So I started to look for some workshops and yeah, training about it. And that's how I find, found inclusive dance oh, or integrated cool. dance. So, <laughs> shall I keep? Yeah, speaking? I mean, I love hearing <laughs> the story. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I went, um, yeah, I was looking around Spain for some training and workshops. And there were some, not much, not many, but some. So I did something in Madrid in Psico Ballet, then I did something in Granada, in the south of Spain, and I started also, well, in, in Granada, I met this guy who told me, if you want to work and to train in inclusive dance, mm, you have to go to Barcelona or Madrid, because there's where you can find more and you can absorb more. So. Yeah, uh, two weeks after, I was looking for a flat in Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and, yeah, and that, yeah, I just started mm, working with an association who mm, did this class dance lessons with people with intellectual disabilities, but not in mixed group. Mm. They were exclusive like in school, special education schools and so, but they also were making some dance pieces that were inclusive. Okay. So, I, yeah, that was like my first experience of being in an inclusive performance. And, yeah, yes. also I started to go out of Spain to take some workshops. I met Adam Benjamin, also in Vienna, and that also, like, really... Mm, yeah, like, I don't know how to say it in English, like... Mm, Did your world explode? Yeah, that's it, with, like, this mix of impro that I already knew, but not much, with improv and inclusion, and it was super powerful the first time I worked with him, and, yeah, I just kept going deeper and deeper in this world. Hmm. And then this girl from my hometown, but that I had met in Granada in one of these workshops. Oh, okay. Do you, have a, do you have an integrated dance company, like a yeah. professional in Spain? Is mm, there anybody? It's not professional still. <laughs> because, yeah, we started this project three years ago with this girl I met in Granada, but it's actually from my hometown. And she proposed me to create something together. So we started with work, offering workshops just once a month to see if there were people interested. And from that it grew because, yeah, people were interesting and they were asking for more. So we started to do it like weekly. Oh, and wow. yeah, and to also, well, then we started to find problems also, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was the... And it's it's 
still not a professional company because most of the people who come to our workshops don't have experience at all. So we we found out that it's a long process mm-hmm. and we just need time because yeah, when in our city, people with disabilities are quite closed in like closed up in residences and this kind of yeah and, and there are not many inclusive activities or environments so it's not easy that people like independently decide to come to dance classes and also engage with that like you know like really have our self-confidence mm-hmm. to yeah, to say, yeah, I want to dance. It's like, they are still in this thing. Really? I can dance? So, it's a long process. <laughs> but you, your future hope is to have a dance company. Yeah, we would love that. We would love that. We've done some already some short dance pieces, and we've shown it even in some professional festivals. So, we are kind of... When we do that, we try to invite some people with more experience that we know. For Mm -hmm. example, from Barcelona, we have this friend, Patricia, who is a more experienced dancer in a wheelchair. So she, when we had these opportunities to be in more professional festivals or so, we invite her so that we can, yeah, like, yes, do something a bit more professional. But, yeah, we are okay with being amateur for now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, yeah, we we just need time. Also, my mate and me, my Leticia and me, we we haven't, we hadn't choreographed or lead lead a group before. Mm -hmm. So we are also learning learning that. Yeah. And so we had some more professional experience as performers, but not as teachers or choreographers or so so we are also learning and it's really nice to to have found her also like to because we really somehow complement yeah. each other uh, but yeah we're, we are in this process of okay accepting the reality of our city and seeing how can we make it grow because we think it's wonderful. <laughs> Inclusive dance is wonderful. <laughs> so tell me more about that. Why do you think it's important or wonderful? Why do you think it's important to have mm. an integrated dance scene? Mm. Okay. There's something, of course, political in all of this, even if maybe it's not the um, reason. the reason or the objective. But of course, I suppose that that's the change we want to see in the world, that everything is inclusive and all of us has the same opportunities, same chances to do what they want to do, that's it. And to at least try, like, for example, for me, dance, it's a really important thing in my life. So if what if I was born in, I don't know, with cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. Mm, I, like, I, mm, very probably, <laughs> I wouldn't have 
the, the, the chance to meet with dance, like to have this experience. So I think everyone that is interesting and appealed for arts and should, could have their place, their chance to try and yeah, because for me, yeah, it's really important, like me, my relation with dance and how in my personal development and in my pleasure and in my, I don't know, in my vision of the world. So I think, yeah, there, if you're not interested in that, it's okay. It's not that everyone has to dance, yeah. must dance. I, I think that, but <laughs> that's not a reason for inclusive dance. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. Somehow, this is one part. And the other part is also that I think that it ex expands the borders of art and dance because each body is different. And so, um, that's hard in English. <laughs> it's okay. Each body has a different story. Mm -hmm to tell also because our biographies and our bodies are like something that goes together. So the more different bodies we have, the more stories we can tell and the more, yeah, we can speak from more points of view. So it it is also enriching for art and yeah. <laughs> Those are great reasons why. <laughs> and know, I just enjoy a lot like dancing with very different people. That's also a big reason because for me it was also, um, like I told you, um, I've always danced, but I never wanted to become a dancer because I was not appealed by the professional world. And also, for it was a hard decision. Like, if I want to be a dancer, I just have to go for that at least for a while because yeah. it needs a lot of engagement and time and physical effort. And it was not so clear for me that I wanted to be a dancer. Mm. So I never thought about it. But when I discovered uh, inclusive dance, it was something like, this is my place. This is where I want to be in dance also. Yeah, so that's also so, a reason. Yeah. Like, there's a personal reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you gain the benefit of dance yourself. Yeah, that's it. Because uh, maybe when I was 15, I was super fit. But not after that. I never trained, like, mm, I don't know, 50 hours a week, you know, or yeah, yeah. 40. So I, did, I don't mean that inclusive dance is for non-trained people at all. But, it but you, gives, have, you yeah. have self-trained yourself now for years. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But yeah, it, it allows like different levels and different approaches to dance to be together in the space, in the dance space. And, you know, I don't know if traditional dance training as it is right now even offers that kind of option. Because hmm. it's mm -hmm. such a narrow idea of who is a dancer, who is a professional dancer. And how does it look like? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, you know, that, that not appealing to you is yeah. not a surprise. Yeah, that's true. I mean, because, you yeah. are an amazing improviser. And you obviously love it. You have a passion for it. That's it. For example, if, because I think about that also, when 
I see many, for example, professional dancers from my city. When there's an improv workshop, first, they don't come. <laughs> they just don't come. It's full of people from circus and theater, but not from dance, because they are scared of it and not appealed by it somehow. But if they come, it's, yeah, it's something they are not trained in, so it's not necessarily like they are really good to us in everything. It's just yeah, a part of what dance is. Because improv, for me, it's yeah, like fascinating and really hard. And yeah, it's like... And I, it has, there has, you have to have a skill. Mm -hmm. That's it. You know, like in Berlin and here in Plymouth, We've seen like very skillful teachers taking very good classes, you know, got challenged const constantly by Adam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's a, it's a totally a skill. And mm. it's, it's a skill and technique just like yeah. any other dance form, kind mm. of. And, right? and what I love of, in, of improv is that it's radically inclusive. Oh, somehow. yeah, I love that today when you said it. Yeah, of course, you need to be skilled or you need to like everything you can do it more skilly like i mean like <laughs> you can gain skills or not depending on your interest or whatever uh, and of course there's a technique and everything but it's somehow very accessible because you can yeah you can take part without being yeah super fit or having a particular body yeah you can of course, then if you want to be a good improviser, you have to work hard, and also your, your how your how much you know your body and what range of things you can do with your body. Mm -hmm. This enriches improv, of course, but you can approach it with yeah with non regular body or a regular way of moving. Yeah, definitely radically. Mm -hmm. Inclusive. inclusive. <laughs> I think you need to be a letter. You need to trademark that. <laughs> I love it. Hmm. Yeah. Um, um, so you mentioned that you were an audio describer. Mm -hmm. Have you ever combined audio describing to your performance? Because I was just in a conference in Austin that. I took a, a workshop in audio describing dance and it was very intriguing to me. Have you ever included that in your practice? Yeah, somehow. <laughs> I've done some of that. Um, in this, there, there was this workshop in Madrid led by a choreographer and a theater director. And it was a workshop with for people or with people with and without visual impairments, disabilities. And yeah, we used some of that there because we were like creating a show. It was a workshop with the aim of creating a show and then we performed twice. And yeah, I was doing it a little bit I wanted to do that and they found like the place for that and it was nice mm. and then I was working with Antonio Quiles, mm -hmm. this choreographer from Sevilla, Spain and yeah, 
he made this piece where there were two dancers that were him himself and another dancer with intellectual disabilities because this Antonio Quiles, he's working for this inclusive dance company in Sevilla called okay. Danza Mobile. Oh, okay. And then it was there was me on stage, on like in a corner with my table and my computer and a microphone, and I was kind of at the in the beginning it was literally describing what was happening on stage, but then there was this playful thing with also putting in poetic texts and yeah playing with literally describing and other kind of information through voice and yeah it was an interesting work i also danced a little bit mm -hmm. in the piece but yeah in fact it was called um, nothing tells me nothing choreography for blind for the blind that was the name and but i would love to to yeah like research this creative audio describing because in audio description at least at least in spain everything is quite standard like you really have to fit to the standards mm -hmm. Because there is this big association in Spain who is like a monopoly mm -hmm. of for blind people <laughs> somehow like they yeah they control everything yeah there are other little associations but it's like such a big um, yeah and a big entity also it's a company they have accessibility industry like. It's such a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> and somehow they have made the rules for audio description, of course, by blind people. But still, for me, they are too tight, like too strict, because it has nothing to do describing an action film for a, I don't know, a Korean, Korean film or contemporary dance or... Or visual or art. Or yeah, it depends a lot on the product you have to do accessible. So, yeah, I also was working with this theater director who wanted to do a, an accessible play, but from the beginning, like we worked together from the beginning with subtitles for deaf people and also audio description for blind people. And, but he wanted to, that's why he was interested on a creative use of accessibility because somehow many times it, it for the artists, it feels like it's really cold. The mm -hmm. accessibility is like cold and it's something like it's stick to the, it's not part of it, product, but not part of it, that's it. So he wanted to try to give another point of view on that. So we did some, yeah, in that play we were kind of doing a creative use of, of audio description and we performed several times, well, I was not, per I was performing accessibility, yeah. <laughs> I was in the technical part, which I enjoyed a lot, and, but 
we performed several times and after the performance I used to go to the hall to the foyer so to ask people blind people or deaf people like how was the experience and there were some blind people who actually they enjoyed it and they appreciated like the risk we had taken uh -huh. but there were others that were like really not happy with it like no, no, I don't want that you make something special for me because I'm blind. I want that you literally somehow translate what some, the movement into yeah, words. Yeah, that's it. Not because we the the thing that this theater director wanted is okay, let's try to transmit the same thing to blind people that for people who can see. But only that they get the, the same or similar feeling, but, but, but by different ways, not translating. But So there was this moment where there were um, animations on a screen, and instead of describing the animations, what was through the earphones, it was a text that somehow, um, yeah, it was giving the same feeling but it was not translating or describing the, the actual the, film. Uh, yeah the animation yeah. so the blind people could notice that somehow maybe <laughs> i don't know how but they they knew it <laughs> I, maybe they had some friends who told them i don't know but they knew it and um, yeah some of them were disappointed because they they were so used for the to the standard accessibility that they were not really happy with that. So, yeah, in fact, I for a while now, I quit doing a description because it felt so robotic somehow, mm -hmm. you know? But that's something I would like to explore. I, I will send you that, that woman's um, contact details because they have really created a way of, like, describing with um, with like body, action, space, time, and energy mm -hmm. qualities, and it was interesting. It was interesting. I'm gonna have her as my guest as well, so you guys can all hear about her. But um, that's an. In I didn't, you know, I didn't know that if that was your background. Yeah. In fact, in Spain, we don't have much of that. Hmm. We have these laws who mm, say that say yeah. When you have to do audio description and accessibility in general, but it's not really being done for now. More and more on TV and so, but still in theaters, for example, it's not really, really common and especially not dance. Mm. But I know, for example, here in Great Britain, it's more, yeah, it's more common. And yeah, I, I think it's a way of doing things accessible. It's not the only way. Yeah. It's a way. It's bringing and awareness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and also, again, giving chances, opportunities for people because there are also this part of the blind people who don't like audio description because somehow it takes them out of the play or of the performance. Huh. But... Yeah, it's just giving options. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Think, giving yeah. the op, op, yeah, giving options. Yeah, and what was I supposed to talk about? 
Mm. I'm interested to see where this, it's really kind of cool to hear that you're working on that, where I just got introduced to it, somebody working on it in the US. And <laughs> there's always these layers and connections. Mm. I, uh, I remember when I was studying this accessibility masters, and they they showed us this English film. I think it was English. Who mm. cool. that was audio described, and it was this documentary about penguins, and it was really nice because that's something you can do with English language. They were describing the the images, the pictures, but using words that would suggest the movements of the penguins. For example, if they were sliding yeah. on the ice, they would use a lot of words with sounds. Oh, nice. Okay. You know? Or the ice was like cracking, and so they would use like sounds. Oh. Not sounds, but words with that letter, like yeah. with C-R. And it was amazing. I think that in Spanish is more difficult, but it was amazing, this really creative way of audio describing. Wow. So, yeah. It's <laughs> awesome. Now I had, oh, um, you know, we've been now dancing intensively for like two, almost all two weeks. And so what do you think you're going to take away back home from these couple of weeks and all the people we have met? Mm. I feel really encouraged to keep pushing inclusive dance in my city and to not be afraid of trying out things and even if the people who we usually dance with in our city, they are non-experienced, but I think we can really take risks because it's also what um, makes you somehow... An okay. I will try again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I feel really encouraged to push inclusive dance in my city and to just trust also the people who come to our workshops somehow because although they are not very experienced but they have potential yeah they have potential and there's, there's something in this kind of risky practice like we are doing now with Anna for example that some people may not like because it's hard also personally somehow but I think it's really if it appeals you it's like something really strong and it makes you an addict somehow. yeah yeah because the payoff I feel once you take the risk and you succeed in the risk, the payoff is amazing. Yeah, yeah. And it's also like I also take with me many pedagogic tools 
this sensitivity that some teachers have and that make you yeah like really work hard but at the same time be yeah like appreciate your effort and yeah and keep going for it and also yeah when like i've seen that at the end of the day we all make very kind of similar things somehow it's not yeah um, there might be people like are super innovative mm -hmm. but usually we have the same tools it's just then the people who make it it comes something different or so not to be afraid to go for it and to do things and to show we of course we want to do something good like artistic quality is something important for us <laughs> but yeah like not to be afraid to trust myself also because i've been training for a long time now so yeah if i like trust myself more and also my partner of course uh, yeah like i think the people will come with us somehow and yeah i i teaching is okay but i would like to do more creative stuff like to create dance pieces and to yeah trust my also my intuition as a creator and choreographer and so i would like to try harder that and also yeah like the international net i think that's really powerful and strong and i would love to you know we have a we are actually recording at the university of plymouth so there's a lot of people coming out of class or there's another performance or another workshop going on so yeah that's it like i i also like want to keep this exchange international exchange going because i think it's really enriching and i enjoyed a lot a lot really a lot like you know, meeting people from other countries and knowing their approach to inclusive dance to find that yeah we do very similar things but with nuances yeah with the spice different spices yeah. So, yeah, and, and also it's another ingredient of diversity, it's cultural diversity, of course, and that's also very interesting. And yeah, it's like I really feel empowered to go back to my city and say, hey, people, we have to do this, <laughs> you know, like we cannot lose this, this chance, let's go for it. <laughs> And one day I'll go to Finland to visit Silva Laukanen when she's around. <laughs> well, come first to US. Okay, that would be nice. Also, it's a bit further, but <laughs> I will love to. <laughs>